You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Summer School Electronics. Summer School Electronics is a pedal company from Syracuse, New York, making incredible stuff. There are a few summer school devices knocking around the shred shed, and I can tell you from personal experience, they sound great, they hold up, and Mark is a super cool dude. The first pedal I saw from them was the Science Fair, which is a parallel classic drive and distortion. And now they've released a new parallel concept called the Class Reunion. The Class Reunion takes a 90s muff style circuit and combines it with their Trash Panda, which is like a soft clipping, high gain, amp in a box style circuit. And it is a super, super versatile combination with all kinds of clipping options, parallel blending. It's really, really rad, a really cool idea, and I think you should check it out. So go over to summerschoolelectronics.com. That's summerschoolelectronics.com and check them out today. Hey, everybody, how's it going? I hope it's splendid in your neck of the woods. Just wanted to take a couple minutes before we got started to tell you about Gun Street Wiring Shop. Sean and the crew have been supporting the show for quite a while now, and I gotta say, got a lot of good feedback from everybody who is who has used uh, their services and products. So if you got a guitar with the wiring harness that you know you're not quite happy with, maybe you got some scratchy pots, maybe you got a switch going out, or maybe you just want to upgrade just because you want to you know sonically experiment, as we're always doing around here. That's the place to go. Go to GunStreetWiringShop.com. Breathe some new life into your old guitars. I mean, it's it's almost like getting a new instrument when you get when you get done uh, upgrading these things. It's it's really a big improvement, and the customer service can't talk right now. Customer service is absolutely top notch. So make sure you go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check out all the offerings. And of course, I have to tell you about Sinusoid Sinusoid Custom Cables. Pro Audio Couture, they call themselves, out of Washington. So they're like Oregon's hat, where I live. They they are making the finest cables on the market, fully backed by a 100-year warranty. And they have this awesome custom cable builder on their website. So if you go to sinusoid.com, you'll see the custom cable builder where you can select the brand, you can select the uh, plugs, like you know, right angle, straights, Neutrik, whatever. You can select all that stuff. You can pick whether you have TechFlex or not. You can pick the color of TechFlex. Like you can pick everything that you could think to pick for a cable. You can do it in their custom cable builder. You can get exactly what you need delivered to your door with a 100-year warranty. And they are some of the best folks in the business. They've been supporting the show for years at this point. And if you haven't sinusoided yet and you've been listening, come on. Go get yourself some good cables. You deserve it. Your tone deserves it. Do it. Sinusoid.com Last and certainly not least... I'd like to talk about Stringjoy. Stringjoy Guitar Strings, made in Nashville, Tennessee. I actually had the opportunity to go down there and lend some of my redneck abilities in helping set up some new stuff last summer, I believe it was. And I got to witness the the process that goes on behind the scenes, and I was blown away at how labor-intensive it is. I, di- I really didn't know. Um, I've watched some videos from other companies, and I've I've seen how they do it, and the way Stringjoy does things down there is very extremely detail-oriented. There's a lot that might slip through the cracks at a, at a bigger company that never makes it out the door there, and uh, they really, really care, and they're always constantly trying to improve, and 
so yeah, people have asked me if they're if they're worth it, but it's it's all I play, um, and I know a lot of people have been very satisfied, and you can get more gauges there than just about anywhere else. They they they, they can get a ninety. You need a ninety for your electric guitar. If you need it, they got it. So make sure and check it out. Their website's really easy to use, and you can just click right through, build your own custom set if you want, or select from some of their pre-made sets, and boom, delivered right to your door with a super rock-solid guarantee. If you're not happy with it, let them know. They'll make you happy one way or another. And that's, that's what I love about all these companies that are sponsoring. They all have great guarantees. So if you want to try out something new, you want to squeeze out some new tone out of your instruments, there's an easy way to do it. Go to stringjoy.com, mess with some gauges, get crazy, get weird, and know that you're getting some of the best strings ever by people who truly, honestly, deeply care about the product and your experience. So go there, stringjoy.com, check them out today. Show them some love. One quick note before we get into this episode proper. Um, if you're on the n- mailing list, you've already seen this, and uh, I've tried to make it known everywhere, especially if you're a new listener. This episode's audio is jacked up. So Adrian sounds wonderful, and I sound kind of weird. It's a lot better. I uh, had some help from Nicholas Veland. I hope I'm saying your last name right. It might be Veland. I don't know. I really apologize. And Dave from the Heavy reverb podcast to get it to sound as acceptable as we could there was a glitch where the wrong mic was recording and it's a long story but you really can't tell until you go back and listen to it and so we recorded the whole episode and i went back and listened and blah okay what are we going to do with my my track so we the, the conversation was so good i didn't want to lose it and we uh we made managed to make it happen so yeah, big shout out to those guys, but and also if you're a new listener, this is not normally what I sound like, you know, I normally sound like this. What you hear moving forward is not how my my tracks usually sound. So, many apologies, but I think the conversation is good enough that you will enjoy it. And and the next one's going to be this way as well, unfortunately, because I didn't catch it until it was too late. So, my bad. I'm really sorry. I'm going to try to make sure that doesn't happen again. But it's a good conversation. I think you'll enjoy it anyway, and on with the show. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the ToneMob.com podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today I have Adrian Thorpe of Thorpey Effects. What's going on, man? Well, it's uh, it's dark here and all is well. Thank you very much. Glad, glad right. to be here. Yeah, this will be fun. I feel like we're I feel like we're gonna have a good time. I I don't know if this is just an American thing or not, and you you tell me. I know you've talked to people from all over the world. Yeah. Are American are all Americans kind of obsessed with British accents, or is it just me? Oh, I I I have been to many places in the states, and it seems to be universal. Um, okay. Nashville was a particularly pleasurable experience. Um, getting stopped and asked, I was asked, "Can you could you speak for me? You sound like Downton Abbey," which I thought <laughs> was amusing. I mean, it's not entirely inaccurate, I suppose. Well, I was guess it like so. one of those uh, drunken bridesmaids walking down Broadway? Ah, you sound like Downton Abbey. Was it one of those ladies? Or? Very, very close, actually. It was. It was. There was a nursing convention on while we were there. I went there for a long weekend when I, I was in the military. I was serving 
um, and we went over there for a couple of weeks and we had a long weekend and uh, drove from Kansas, Fort Leavenworth, down to, down to Nashville. Had an awesome time there. And yeah, there was a nursing convention going on. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's, that's, that sounds like a, a, a time filled with a bunch of stories that are not fit for maybe this podcast. Probably not. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's, that's very interesting. So that actually is a nice segue into this. So tell me about yourself. You're former military. I did know that. Like, yes. what's your musical backstory? How did you get into making effects pedals? That seems like a, a decent leap from one career to another. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite an obsessed, obsessive guy with, with, with anything I get into, I just try and take it to the nth level, you know? And, um, so I just commissioned from the UK equivalent to West Point. Okay. Uh, in fact, my, our final exercise we, at Sandhurst, uh, Royal Military Academy Sandhurst, which is the, um, where, where you go to train to be an officer in, in, in the army. We'd just done our final exercise with some guys from West Point, And I was, I found myself with a young troop of soldiers. And uh, in the evenings, I also found myself with loads of free time. So you can do a few things. You can drink, you can go to the gym, uh, or you could do whatever. So I, uh, I've done, <laughs> I've done the, yeah, that yeah. <laughs> so I've done the gym. I, I, I did, a, did a bit of drinking, but it's, it's never really suited me that much. And so, uh, yeah, I, I started to think and look at guitar electronics. And, uh, yeah, I fell down this rabbit hole. It must have been a very big rabbit hole because I'm, I'm fairly broad. And, um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I, I, I started obsessing about it. And uh, I started off with the same circuits probably everyone does. I, you know, my, my, my heroes were like Tony Iommi, Brian May, et cetera, Eric Clapton. And I was looking at what's make, what makes their sound so cool. And it seemed to me from very limited research that it was a, yeah, it was a Dallas range master. And I looked into it. I thought, oh, there's about eight parts there. I, I probably could do that. And uh, I built my first one and it did not work. So, yeah, that was a oh. win. Um, and uh, anyway, I got it wrong. I got the positive ground negative, you know, uh, all, all that. So I got it all wrong. And uh, anyway, fixed it. And then I was hooked from that point on. Absolutely hooked. Because um, I was running that through a Marshall combo amp. Um, and it, to me, despite my ham-fisted playing, it sounded great. And uh, yeah, so then I started looking at other circuits, you know, fuzz face, tube screamer, blues breaker, lots of drive and dirt, you know, C2, and, and the list became the most ridiculous thing possible. And I was building them in double digits for fun every week. Wow. So, you, but you didn't just start out with effects, I don't think. I imagine you were actually playing first. What uh, what made you pick up the guitar in in the first place? Uh, same thing, really. Bit of boredom. Um, I I I had friends who were playing things like the uh, you know PlayStation. I think it was PlayStation One back then. PlayStation Two, and um, they were enjoying that. But for me, I. I I'm just not that way inclined. I'm also not particularly good at computer games. So I thought, well, what I can do is I, I can either learn a language or I can learn, learn a musical instrument. So I went with musical instrument because uh, uh, I thought it looked cool, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, electric guitar it was. It had to be. 
It makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, that is the coolest. It's not like Absolutely. I thought it was going to, you know, I was married at the time, but, uh, or just about to get married at the time. And, uh, um, I thought, oh yeah, this will, this will definitely, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just talking rubbish. It obviously <laughs> increased my sex appeal. And, uh, but, but I thought it was cool. We all, we all hope for that. Right. And it just doesn't <laughs> seem to, it's like, it's, it's almost like we're just not, it's not like we're all uh, cut up to be rock stars. It's weird. It's weird how only oh, a, a certain few that works well, for it. Absolutely. I've got a face for a podcast or a radio, whichever way you want to say it. <laughs> I can relate to that in a big way. That's why I do it. Like it's a, no one ever encouraged me down the path of, a, you know, modeling or anything like that. So I assume that's probably not just not in the cards for a guy like, like me. Well, well, you know, they say, you know, the camera adds 10 pounds and, you know, I was looking at myself at now and I was thinking, oh, there must have been about 10 cameras on me. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a, <laughs> that's a lot. Of, you're 100 pounds overweight. I've seen pictures of you. You look good. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not that I'm not that overweight, but uh, I could do, I could do with uh, trimming down back to my uh, fighting weight. That'd be good. Yeah, I understand that for sure. So you started building all, all these effects. You started building them once a week you, or like several times a week. You were building a ton of pedals. Yeah. When, when was like the light bulb moment that you thought, oh, maybe I could, maybe I could sell some of these. Well, to be honest with you, that came out of necessity because, you know, despite being relatively well paid in the military, um, you've only got so much funds um, and you can only spread it so far. So it, it became clear very quickly that, having built up a stock of pedals of you know self builds that to fund the next batch i would need to sell them on and so i just put them on ebay and things like that uh, and, and just recoup the cost essentially I wasn't looking to make any money i just didn't want to lose any money so my time was rated at zero and uh, i got my money back and then just piled that into more parts so i was looking at things like you know vintage germanium transistors and you know you know proper uh, carbon comic uh, resistors, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so it wasn't really so much a light bulb moment. It was more of a necessity. And, and, and bear in mind, I'm doing this on a properly amateur basis at that point. But when it started, I started to get repeat custom on eBay. Um, I then realized, that actually, there's probably a, probably a fairly healthy market for it. You know, I had people actually messaging me saying i've just bought this love it could you build me one of these and then i started doing a few custom uh, jobs for people and you know this was all going on while i've got a full-time career so uh, you know I'm, wor I'm working hard at my career and essentially this is my evening work um and it carried on for a little while and then i, I had to go and do my trade training to become a eod specialist so bomb disposal what sorry for real you were oh, yeah, disposing yeah, yeah. of bombs yeah we call it explosive ordnance disposal so that was my trade uh, you know in the uk uh, my actual qualification at the end of it was ammunition technical officer okay eod okay so, okay we need to take just a brief moment and, and pivot a little bit because this is you know we talk about gear but we're we're also focused on the people and this just got really interesting for me really quickly uh not that i wasn't already interested but 
you were disposing of bombs. Yeah, well, not that's, just uh, that's not a thing that people. That's not a thing that most people do. Yeah, it's what I joined the military to do. Really, I mean, my my initial train of thought when I when I signed up to the military because I, I joined when I was fifteen. Essentially, what you do is you. I did a, a load of um, tests to be selected to go to a specific technical military college, um, and I wanted to become a pilot. I wanted to become a fast jet pilot, but my eyesight wasn't good enough. And so thereafter, I thought, well, what can I do instead? Well, actually, what's exciting? Yeah, explosives seem quite exciting. So I thought I'd, uh, I'd get into that. So I did. And um, got selected, went through all the tests, and then did all the training, because it takes about 18 months to do your basic your basic uh, EOD training um, in, in the UK military. But it's not just counter-terrorist stuff. It's... Um, logistic disposal so getting rid of stacks of munitions that are out of date it's uh becoming a weapons specialist and understanding how things work so my, my trade was quite varied um and it took a while to get qualified that's crazy what is the before we dive back into the pedals what is the craziest situation that you found yourself in in that trade oh blimey it, very odd really i mean i've been very close to explosions like you know felt the heat felt felt the blast go over you feel like you've been punched in the stomach and uh the reason that's crazy is because i really enjoyed it um which doesn't make any sense i know but it was a massive rush and i wasn't expecting that you know there was no fragmentation it was just it was just a big blast and uh but it was a proper kick. And um, so on a personal level, that's probably the craziest because I, I, I just wasn't expecting to react in that way. I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I got a rush out of it. Um, what was the situation surrounding that? Um, it was essentially uh, sort of blown through a door. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I mean, I imagine there's probably some things you can't elaborate on. Uh, I'm, I'm i'm being deliberately coy but um yeah so there's certain things i mean i've done multi multi ton disposals you know two kilometers away and maybe not that far actually but a kilometer away and you can see the blast wave coming towards you and see a mushroom cloud form it's not a nuke obviously but you still get a mushroom cloud as a result of the amount of heat that's generated i i've i've had near misses you know being put on the spot here it's a, a bit bit odd <laughs> with regards <laughs> to trying to recall it um uh, but i've been really lucky you know i i've, I've lost friends in the service um, doing this work and so i am absolutely blessed that i have all my fingers all my toes and i have my family around me um other people haven't been so lucky so you know yeah i find it hard to answer if i'm honest yeah okay we won't talk about that anymore That's i understand right. No, it's just uh, that was a that was a, a uh, I knew you had a military background, but that was a that was something I was not expecting coming. I had no idea it was that specifically. But... Yeah, no, I, I I actually transferred down the route of uh, becoming a weapons specialist, sort of development. Uh, you, you you have what we call staff jobs, so actually you bounce in and out from an operational job to a staff job and vice versa, and, it, and one gives you rest from the other. So I've did. I've done the operational jobs and I've also done the staff jobs and the staff jobs were where I got qualified to a, a higher level. So I went back and did 
two master's degrees uh, in explosives engineering and uh, battle space technology. And so they were to supplement my uh, undergraduate degree. Uh, I effectively became a subject matter expert in how weapons work, the chemistry behind it, and all of that sort of good caper. Wow, that's that is amazing. I you know I I know a little bit about firearms and the basic function and stuff, but not anything uh not anything beyond what your average soldier would know about. You know, um, so this is all kind of interesting, but probably the subject for a different podcast. So back to yeah, guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very fascinated. I really, really am. This is this is very intriguing to me, but seems like you're a bit overqualified for for the effects world in some ways well do you know what one of the things the best things you can do as an engineer is actually look outside the narrow field that you're in for inspiration okay so one of the benefits i have in developing military equipment um, and weaponry etc etc is that i understand what needs to be done to a piece of equipment to have it work in high pressure situations. Okay. So okay. if you're under fire from an enemy or, you know, blue on blue, whatever, um, you're being shot at, that is an extremely stressful situation to be in. And so consequently, whatever you interface with, be it your rifle, be it the weapons, be it whatever, you really want them to be as simple as possible. Because when it comes down to it, your brain will not be as functioning as well as it ought because you're under stress, right? Of course. So the stuff I helped bring into service, I always made sure it was functional, robust, and absolutely hit the key user requirements, right? So what I've done is I've taken that knowledge and expertise. I've tried to apply it to guitar pedals. Now, they do different things for different reasons, but... As you're, if you're a live musician, or even if you're playing in your bedroom, often it's extremely stressful because you've got timings to keep. You know, you've got a crowd to please. You're struggling already with your instrument. So what you want from your guitar pedal is it to work, it to work regularly and uh, in a robust manner. And the interface between the pedal and you as a guitarist needs to be as simple as possible, but as powerful as possible. So... I try and make my pack as much functionality into my pedals um, as uh, as is as is humanly possible, but with as minimal controls as possible. I see, I see that, and that does make a lot of sense. So you you're trying to squeeze the most out of the least, basically, and that that applies in both fields. Yeah, and you know. Some pedals do it better than others. I mean, I've been really successful with the Team Medic. That is a really powerful pedal. It's a essentially a buffer booster EQ with more boost. Now, it does a hell of a lot. And actually, it's only got five knobs and an internal switch if you need to switch the buffer on and off. But that sat at the end of your pedal board can do an astonishing amount to your guitar pedal board's overall tonality. Yeah, that makes... That makes a ton of sense. What was what was some of your first? So I, personally, when I became first aware of your pedals, it was probably about the same time most Americans were aware of them, and that's when you were doing some stuff with Pro Guitar Shop, and I seen these crazy case designs, which you know they're not. It's not like nothing like that has been done before, but they're pretty unique. 
in especially in this day and age of aluminum gray boxes, which I'm not against at all. I just uh, you know was immediately drawn to the big shiny case that you do, you have for your pedals. What what was the thought process behind that, and how did that become kind of your signature? Okay, so I mean we designed that for several reasons. Okay. First off, there was the engineering side of it. So you, I wanted the foot switch to pre be presented to your foot. Loads of people have done a similar thing, tube screamers, etc. I think it's a great idea. Um, we wanted the knobs to be recessed so that you could not adjust the knobs accidentally uh, with your foot or when it's in your case. So essentially, to change the knobs, you've really got to get into the control cavity and, and, and have a conscious effort to change them. I've seen and repaired so many pedals where people have just kicked them off, like shattered the potentiometer and kicked it off the pedal. So the aim was to try and reduce that sort of uh, attrition rate. Um, we also put the jacks at the top and we put the DC jack at the top, which isn't, you know, it's not rocket science. Um, it just makes sense from a real estate perspective to have it all at the top because you know what? You can fit more pedals side by side. Um, then finally, you know, we put the the side guards up the side again, just to protect the knobs on on that on that part. So um, from from left and right. And realistically, you know, there is also the element that it's a crowded pedal market. So we do these things for an engineering perspective, but you people eat with their eyes. You look at something, and if it's attractive to you, it then draws your attention towards it, and you have a you know a more fascinating look at it and so there was an element of wanting to stand apart from the crowd and so going that extra mile to consciously do that and that's why we look our pedals look the same the way they are now um the only error i made was going for stainless steel polished stainless steel which looks amazing the etching process is done with a really high powered laser that's dialed right down and then uh, the only problem with that is I can't photo the things for damp. It's really hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, when you pull it off, though, they sure look they sure look incredible. I've had a similar problem with the I got a 1981 devices DRV, and it is shiny, shiny. Like I don't know what kind of powder coat it is, but it is like almost chrome looking. That's a and beautiful yeah. pedal, by the way. Oh, it is. They did a great job. With the yeah, aesthetics and, and i think it sounds great too but it also yeah, just, i love looking at it um but i can't take a good picture of it <laughs> so yeah there's an angle what you need to do is you, you almost have to bounce light off of it so <laughs> it's that's how i do it i effectively put the light up in the top left hand corner and take a photo from underneath it or to the side of it at a specific angle and then the light bounces off the etching at a uh, in a very nice way and you don't get any reflection otherwise it's it's horrible to photo. Yeah, I'll have to take that advice. It's I've, I've had that same, same problem before. So, <laughs> what are your what are your thoughts? You know, circuit wise, when you're going into something, you kind of explain that you want as much control with as basically as few controls. But like, what what a uh, what holes are you looking to kind of fill in the marketplace when you go to create a new product? Exactly. Okay, so what I aim to do is I I like guitar pedals. That allow your guitar to sound like your guitar now there is there are guitar pedals for all budgets that absolutely are and sometimes people want a sludgy heavy fuzz or whatever and that's great okay 
for us, what you know, what what I'm trying to achieve is clarity. Firstly, I want you to hear all your strings. You know, if you're holding down a chord and you strum the chord, I want you to be able to hear what you're doing. Um, and, and I'm not talking shrill treble. I, I'm I'm talking just it's present. You can hear it. You can hear what you're doing. Um, I also, you know, I, I I want the noise floor to be as low as possible, ideally, because noise is essentially detracting from the signal. And if you can have it removed, you know, who wouldn't want that? So that's what we try and achieve there. Um, and yeah, if you're playing a Telecaster, it should sound like a Telecaster. If you're playing a Les Paul, it should sound like a Les Paul. And I try um, and design a pedal to fit as many guitar types, pickup types as possible. So I, I have specific guitars here, P90s, humbuckers, heavy humbuckers, you know, single coils, whatever, that I test through, um, through the pedals. I also test those pedals through a variety of amps because all the amps are different, have different EQs, different foibles. Um, you know, putting a mid-focused pedal through a Marshall, which is mid-focused, isn't ideal. It doesn't sound very good. Or it can sound poor. So from a design perspective, I do try and cover a lot of ground and I do test as widely as possible so that whoever gets the pedal can enjoy it without going, oh, it doesn't work for my rig. Gotcha. Gotcha. So just as much much versatility, you know, across or compatibility rather with as much yeah. as possible. And the one thing I haven't mentioned is musicality. Uh, the reason I haven't mentioned it is because I, for me, that's just a given. You know, if it doesn't sound musical, unless you're playing things like a ring modulator, some synth stuff, and, you know, you're trying to be wacky, um, I, I think everything that I make should be musical. It should have a purpose. It, 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 I would hope that it could be recorded and laid down onto vinyl or onto CD. Um, and, I, and I think that's an absolute given. It's, a, it's, it's the foundation, really. I think you're right about that. I think everybody these days, it's like... It, it, it a lot of people say it it's it's almost uh it's almost like yeah well duh if it doesn't sound good why would you make it you know obviously there's some exceptions like you mentioned ring mods and and crazy fuzzes and things that are intentionally destroying your signal which is what you're trying to do in those situations and i love that but yeah overall if the pedal doesn't sound good to your ears there's no reason to there's no reason to make it we there's too many pedals on the market already why, why make a bad one? Absolutely. And you know what? I think we're in a bit of a golden age of gear at the moment. There is a hell of a lot of good product out there. Um, but one of the things I saw a few years ago was Paul Reed Smith talking about, uh, he was saying that anything between the guitar and the amplifier detracts. Now, he, he doesn't come across as a particular fan of pedals. I, I, just, I think he's just a guitar straight plugged into the amp kind of guy. Um, and to a certain degree, he's... He's right, you know, anything you stick in your signal chain can detract from what your the interface between you and the amplifier. However, that's a very simplistic way of looking at it because when you add certain pedals, they 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 can be your entire sound. You know, so is that then detracting? I would say no. If you're using a pedal platform amplifier, then having good quality pedals and a variety of them is an absolute must. 
Yeah, I, I've heard his theory before, and, and the first time, he actually explained it to me at my first NAM. We did a, a video together with the Ryan from 60 Cycle Hum and I went up and, and talked to him for a little bit. And, yeah. you know, we were kind of being goofballs because that's our, our nature. And he was like, let me get serious for, for a minute. And he talked about his subtractive theory of guitar. And yeah. on one hand, it, it does make a lot of sense. He's basically saying a guitar is, you know, you know, it's basically that I'm probably butchering how he said it. He probably said it a lot more eloquently than this, but basically the guitar is like the strings and the pickups and anything else that kind of gets, uh, you know, that is added to the guitar, be it a, a tremolo or different circuits, or when he said it, it's actually not adding to it, it's subtracting from the original sound. And I, and I do understand that, like, he's, like what he's getting at, but I also, I, I agree with you in that, like, yeah, like, but you can't, like, what if the edge didn't have any pedals when he played? What would he sound like? You know, it well, wouldn't work. It'd sound blunt, wouldn't he? It wouldn't yeah. sound like an edge. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was terrible. Um, <laughs> ba boom. Um, Hashtag, yeah, yeah, hashtag right. dad jokes. Yeah, I oh, oh, don't. I'm terrible for them. Um, but then, then there's the other side of it. You know, if you take his pure subtractive theory on, on board and you go, okay, great, um, it is subtracting. But if you look at, say, uh, a car is a perfect example of this. Uh, slightly off topic, so forgive me. You go, all right, you've got a car. It can do 150 miles an hour. All right. And if you look at it under that that light, you go, yeah, 150 miles an hour. I'm really happy. My car's perfect. But your car can't go around corners very, very well. So you stick a spoiler on it. Now, the spoiler provides downforce and pins the car to the floor. Now, your top speed drops from 150 miles an hour to 140 miles an hour because it just has to, because you're effectively robbing um, some of the aerodynamic um, call it slickness. You know, the, the airflow over the car is, right. is, is interrupted. However, you're, you're trading aerodynamics for downforce, basically. You are, and then your car performs better around corners. Now, if you look at that in the pedal world, you're plugging a very nice guitar into a very clean amp. And essentially, you sound good, clean. But you want to rock, that's not going to sound good. You need harmonics. You, you need a mix. You need distortion. You It needs to feel liquid under your fingers. Guess what? Either crank the amp up and make it filthy as you like, or put a pedal in the way and do that through a pedal so that you've got a variety of tones at your feet. Are you detracting? In some ways, yes. But in other ways, you've improved the overall sound that you're trying to achieve. Yeah, that's a good good way to think of it. It's it's not necessarily about a right way or a wrong way. It's what what kind of rig aligns with your goals, basically. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, people that's... bemoaned uh, John Mayer for not putting a reverb on his signature PRS amp. He said he didn't want one. He wanted to use a reverb pedal. Can't fault him, really. It might not work for you, but it works for John Mayer, and at the end of the day, he doesn't really care. And I don't think, I think he's, you know, something tells me he's fine. Like he's, yeah, he's, he's going to be okay. Right, apparently he's not struggling. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't appear to be not at least, not at least in that, in, in the, in the tone or the uh, music or anything really. Uh, in, Absolutely. I don't know where I'm going with that. Hats off to him. <laughs> I think John's doing fine. <laughs> Apologies to Joe Branton for us talking about John Mayer, but. Uh, oh dear. We did. get upset. <laughs> but uh, this is my segue though so artists 
you know, we, we brought up a couple artists here. Who are some people that you listen to and have inspired you over the years? Oh, blimey, it varies. I'm, I'm really eclectic with what I listen to. I, 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 my music tastes are as such. Music has to move me. Um, and I don't mean physically, but it uh, sometimes. <laughs> Emotionally, it has to move me. So, you know, I, I grew up listening to music of the 60s because my dad was always listening to music of the 60s. Now, I actually know a lot of those songs. I couldn't tell you who sung them. And I couldn't tell you, you know, when it was released, but I could hum along to that tune and, and, and tell you the lyrics because it was just subconsciously pounded into my psyche. Um, however, when I hit teenage years and wanted to uh, find my own way musically, the things I was listening to were things like Nirvana, um, you know, heavy metal of every single genre um, uh, and that sort of thing. But if it's, if it's rock, 80s rock, 80s metal that's absolutely what i listen to in the car when i want to drive fast like hair metal and things uh things of that nature yeah you know eddie van halen pantera motley crew you name them i dig it i absolutely adore motley crew oh really that this is yeah. this is a, this is interesting well and also a very uh strange um a strange timing because i just seen a, a video of of motley crew performing recently uh, i don't know if you've seen this video or not but you know it was it was not the crew of old unfortunately it was hey, uh, it was <laughs> a bit rough <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i saw them performing at download which is a big metal festival over here it used to be called monsters of rock and uh you know what it sounded great they didn't have as much energy as they they did in the 80s but you know, considering everything that they've been through, they're lucky to be alive. I was, I was actually amazed at the amount of energy that they did have for not, you know, they're not, I, not my, my viewpoint maybe is a little bit fudged on this because in, in my old career, there was plenty of guys that I worked with and talked to on a regular basis that were, you know, getting close to retirement age or whatever, but you know, they were perfectly able-bodied and doing, doing just fine in their sixties. And, you know, even, some of them close to their seventies. And so my, my a viewpoint on age is somewhat skewed. So like those guys aren't really old to me, uh, yeah. as in an age, age perspective, but they're definitely old from a mileage perspective. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Was it Nikki six? Didn't he? I mean, his, uh, leisure activities, didn't they keep Pablo Escobar in business for years? I, 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 you know, allegedly. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that. <laughs> you know, that's going to have a toll on your body. You know, if we if we follow Paul Paul Reed Smith's uh, subtractive theory, they've <laughs> removed a fair few uh, important cells. I would suggest. I think you're you're probably right about that, and and I and I think I can't remember which podcast I talked about this same subject on, but uh, like we can't all be Keith Richards. Like Keith Richards is like a he's like a, a Usain Bolt of bodily abuse. Like nobody could take that kind of damage except for Keith and still keep on ticking. I, I really believe he's superhuman in some way. Oh, he's an X-Man. You know, <laughs> he's he's from the comic books, <laughs> isn't he? He's he's had so much uh, substances that it's mutated him or pickled him, whichever way you want to look at it. That could be it. Maybe that's the secret. He took so much that it's actually had a preservative effect instead of instead of being detrimental to his health. It's now like beneficial to him in some way. Yeah, Jack Daniels will do wonderful things for you, I'm sure. 
Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I don't know. That's no health advice. Don't quote me. It's I'm not a qualified doctor. (laughs) You're an engineer, not a doctor. Don't listen to him. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that like that's like a quote from Star Trek, isn't it? Yeah, I'm an engineer. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) A doctor, not a physicist or whatever it is. (laughs) Sorry. So yeah, so outside of the '80s metal, do you do you ever tone it down a little bit? Do you ever get mellow and and uh, just kind of chill out with tunes, or are you you pretty much rocking all the time? Yeah, it's probably. I mean, I, in all honesty, I, I I can't. I like Blur and things like that, and I like you know the '90s indie scene can be pretty cool. I quite like Nirvana. I quite like that that sort of thing. I'm going to see Alice in Chains. Um, it's pretty soon. But then on the flip side, on my birthday, I'm going to go and see Rammstein. So um, I, I don't think that's toned down at all. Um, I like I like some of the, what actually some of what the Rolling Stones do. I love the Beatles. I love what they've done. But you know, truthfully, if I want to really enjoy the music that I I listen to, it, it tends to be pretty hard rocking. Yeah. Does that have? You think that has an impact on it? Wait, like basically what you were listening to when you were growing up. Like that very specific time frame in the you know in your life that had a big impact on you. Um, I think so. I mean, I I don't know. I tell you what, I see it with my daughter at the moment. So my daughter's eighteen months old. Okay, she will dance her little socks off if there's something absolutely rocking on the on the stereo. It because it it's obviously moving her. Uh, and I and I think you know you're growing up as a kid that that those things you can't really explain why why something moves you some people absolutely love um i don't know classical music for me it's not i don't really like it that much but you know i quite like wagner so it's it's hard to it's hard to explain it it just for me it has it has to rock pretty hard and get my head bobbing you ever do you ever slant into the more extreme metal genres like the Know, getting into doom or metalcore or black metal or something like that, or is it more hard rock? Um, yeah, I mean that genre is, I suppose, heavy metal is such a broad term. I shouldn't really use it, but um, yeah, for me, if I can't hear the vocals, I don't enjoy it. So okay. some of the screaming, I'm just not into it. I it's I don't really like satanic metal or death metal or anything like that. Not because they're not talented musicians, they absolutely are, but I just want to understand the vocals. Um, that's why, you know, for me, Slipknot, Slipknot's one of my favorite bands, and the reason is I can, I can hear what they're singing, and it's awesome. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I can relate to that too. I mean, I definitely like certain my my tastes with heavy music are really strange. Like, I like some very very heavy music, but I have a a pretty hard line kind of similar a little bit similar to you but i think i might take it just a, a touch further like i i just can't i can't quite I've, I've tried to listen to some of the more extreme stuff and and i'm just like ah, i don't it, you know like you said it has to move you it just doesn't you know and it's yeah, the same I, thing I i'm not blo- i'm blown away by the technicality of some of it but it's like man eh, it's not for me it just isn't yeah i tried uh listening to a band called dimmer Borgir a few years ago um, one of their songs I really liked because I'd heard, I think I'd heard it in a movie or something like that. Um, but I just I couldn't, I couldn't gel with the rest of the album. 
That being yeah. said, I saw Josh Smith last night. He came to visit us yesterday. Um, he's obviously not a heavy metal <laughs> player, but he he was playing Eddie Van Halen while he was uh, visiting, which is kind of cool because he was absolutely rocking it. Um, but you know, he's he's very much a blues blues rock guy, and he's phenomenal. And his he's playing a monster. Abs- it, it, his, his playing absolutely moves me, just because I am astonished how he can do it. I'm astonished with his tone, and He's a super nice guy, so I think there's a you know there's a, a bit of a bit of a fanboy thing there from my perspective. Yeah, he's he's great. I've I've got to catch him a couple times here and there, Nam and various things. That guy, that guy can he can really play. Like it's 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 kind of mind bending sometimes to watch him. Like oh man, almost makes you want to just hang it up. You know, just oh, absolutely. like no, absolutely. I guess I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. I think he plays like 14s or something like that. I mean, it's they're like pylons. So I feel like a child handing over my guitar to him. Yeah, it's got 10s on it. Probably going to suck for you. Um, but, <laughs> and he still plays it better than me. I might as well set fire to that guitar. It's never going to sound as good. It's a weird line, right? In between like who is um, who really inspires you as a musician when you watch them versus them also crushing your soul because you know that you're never going to be able to to reach that level. I found that like it's such a strange it's a strange combination of inspiration and just heartbreak watching some yeah. of these guys. <laughs> I mean the, the real answer is, you know, you've you've got to take it on the chin because ultimately if you practice as much as they did, you might get closer. So really, we whenever we watch these people and go Oh, blimey. There's obviously genetic freaks and natural talent as part of that. But if you put that, you know, that 10,000 hour theory, if you sat down and focused entirely on what they're trying to do and or what you're trying to do, you could probably get quite close. I'd love to be, you know, I'd love to have the uh, the finances just to quit doing what I, I, I'm doing and uh, yeah, just sit there and practice for 10,000 hours straight. See how that goes. <clears throat> Man, that... Uh... That is true. There's a there's there is the level of practice that some goes, but then, like you said, you mentioned genetic freak, and in the guitar world, my mind instantly went to Paul Gilbert and his massive fingers. And yeah, uh, I'm just like I couldn't spread that far. Like, oh, you just do this chord. I'm like, no, because my fingers are half as long as yours, and I cannot reach that far. So, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, has he? I mean, has he got an extra set of joints? I'm not sure. I, they, it looks like it. I've seen him. I've seen him live. And he's he's a super nice guy as well, but God, it's scary watching him. You know, you're it like, is how. But then, you know, have you ever seen Django Reinhardt play? Well, obviously not now, but you know, see videos of him playing. Mm-hmm. That's true. So he's a gypsy jazzer, isn't he? And he's got you know he's got a problem with one of his hands. He can play better than you know ninety percent of guitarists, and he's using two fingers. It's crazy. That is a very, very good point. If you, you want it bad enough, you, you'll overcome it. And then there's that guy that, that you see videos of uh, once in a while, and I, I've actually watched him at NAMM. The guy who, um, I forget his name. I really wish I could remember it right now, but he, he plays with his feet. He doesn't have arms. Yeah, that's and he's a better guitar player with his feet than I am with my arms. So, yeah, you're right. There's a good, there's a good point about just putting in the time. That's, I mean, I, I often find that absolutely bonkers. I have seen videos of him, but. You know, power to him though. Bloody hell! It's, he's not just good for someone who's playing their feet. He's good 
per se. You know, that's it. You are that good on on your instrument, regardless of how you're playing it. Bonk. Totally, totally. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting interesting instrument for sure, and in that it's it's fairly adaptable if you really if you really want to. It's a it's a very it's it, it's hard to do that with other instruments. You know what I mean? It's it's I think it's just kind of the it's also I don't know. I feel like guitar breeds a certain amount of intense passion in people. So intense that they'll like, you know, leave decent jobs in the military to start guitar pedal companies and things like that. Yeah, well there's no accounting for idiocy. Is there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a yeah. <laughs> Well, I I can relate. I I left the petroleum industry to to be working in the guitar field. So you know, we're just a couple of idiots over here. It's uh, there's more. I mean, there's more to it than uh, you know, giving up a good job. It's it has to be a lifestyle choice. I I think you know, I'm a lot happier now. Even though I loved what I was doing, I'm a lot happier now. I'm a lot less stressed on the whole. Um. And I just, you know, I have to pinch myself sometimes because I think, well, actually, yeah, it, this is cool. You know, being in California in January. Wait, have you ever been in the UK in January? Really sucks. No, it's but I, I know it's, it's just like here in Oregon uh, or yeah. very similar. There you go. I mean, what was really interesting, I was like, we were on Newport Beach. So we got our accommodation on Newport Beach because it worked out cheaper Airbnb. Right. So we made a holiday of it as well. And uh, we're there in t-shirt and shorts and people are looking at us as if we're from another planet because obviously it's their winter <laughs> and we look like a pair of idiots, me and my wife. Um, but, hey, I, I, I managed to get a little bit of colour in my skin rather than being a pasty Brit. It was great. I I also rocked the shorts and the t-shirt that Nam and I actually felt like, you know, I'm like, you know what? It's actually a little bit too warm for me right now. Just a touch for my... <laughs> Pacific Northwest self. I don't know if you've ever been. Storm. Uh, yes, I need some rain. Why isn't it raining right now? It's January. It's supposed to be raining. Um, <laughs> but so we, one thing we didn't really we didn't really touch on that I meant to is what at what point did it, was it obvious to you that it was like okay I'm gonna try this thing full time and you know I, you worked a long oh, excuse me you worked a long time and and put in a lot of work and effort in your in your other career when was it apparent to you that it was time to leave that behind okay so uh, you know the, the, the company was set up um uh, struggling with this 2014 november 2014 okay and the reason the company was set up at, at that point is i like many military people i, uh, I got divorced <laughs> from you know my, my ex-wife and i i met my my wife now, and um, we got married uh, in November in 2014. And it was literally the day after we got married. My, my wife turns around to me and she says, well, you know, what are you going to do now? We've got that project done, which was the wedding. Uh, what are we going to do? <laughs> and because uh, my wife's great. She, she saw it as a big party. She was like, yeah, we're going to have a great time. So uh, the wedding was done. And she goes, why don't you do what you've always wanted to do? Launch the pedal company you were going to launch years ago and uh i didn't really have an answer for apart from yeah yeah cool that sounds like a good idea let's do it and um so me and my wife went into partnership in the marriage and we went into partnership with the company and so it was 2014 when we decided we were going to do it properly 
And from November 2014, we worked through to April the 1st, because we thought that'd be funny to sell our first product on April the 1st in, in 2015, which was the gunshot overdrive. And we, between that period, we took the prototype that I'd had previously um, made. Um, and yeah, we released it April the 1st, April Fool's Day, um, 2015. And so that decision was, it was actually fairly simple to make. It was a case of, you've always wanted to do this, do it. And so for a period of time, I worked 18 hour days because I had still had a commitment to the military and I was doing that and uh, was working in the evenings. And so was my wife and, and she was working full time. The interesting thing is my wife actually builds pedals with me. Um, my wife is an amazing solder jockey. She is incredible. Uh, and um, basically, um, we've just pushed from that point on. Uh, it got to a point where I had achieved everything I wanted to achieve in the military. And it was either stay for a few more years to get lieutenant colonel or leave. So I left as a major. And uh, yeah, and that decision was made 2017. And I was out of the army on sort of our sort of resettlement leave from NAM last year. So NAM 2017. Wow, that's that's incredible! Sorry. Congratulations, by the way. That's still still fairly recent, sort of ish, kind of. Yeah, or yeah, or it, it probably feels recent. Do you know what it does and it doesn't? And I, it's it's you know from a time perspective, it's, it's relatively recent. You know, so we've only just done our second NAM, um, but uh, yeah, it it feels like a lot of water's gone under the bridge since. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I miss it. I miss the soldiers a lot. Um, I miss the camaraderie, but I'm loving this. I'm absolutely loving this. And I feel really, really lucky that people dig what we're doing. That, that's amazing. I, I, I can definitely relate to, uh, I'm on a similar time, time period as you, and so it feels it feels fresh, but you're you're right. There's been so much that's happened in a relatively short time frame. It feels like things are almost completely different in some ways. Podcast yeah. and just with other things going on, it's just it's like wow. When you really put all of your eggs into one basket, you really make a lot quicker progress than when you're kind of trying to juggle multiple things at once. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're doing uh as we're a lot more focused now we've got the ability to release pedals faster um or at least release more complex pedals and and, and you're certainly going to see that from us um, i mean we, we released our first analog chorus um at this last nam and that's you now it's a complex pedal it's, it's designed from the ground up uh to achieve a load of goals uh but that took a lot of effort and uh, and i wouldn't have been able to do that and juggle um another job as well because that was just so full on and it went right down to the wire actually getting it ready for now um but uh yeah really happy with it i that's exactly where i wanted to go next i wanted to talk to you about that and what it was like bringing that thing to life and, and kind of the backstory behind that whole chorus pedal because i feel like there's a lot there that people don't know okay so um I'm not sure if people are aware, but I'm really good mates with a guy called Dan Coggins, and he's from Love Tone. 
um, or was formerly of Lufthome pedals, okay? He then had another brand called Dinosaural, but the Lufthome pedals, you'll see them on Reverb and, you know, things like the Wobulator, the Meatball, cheese, Big Cheese, um, et cetera, et cetera. And they're all really collectible. Some of them, like the Flange with no name, goes for like $2,000. And they were probably one of the first boutique pedal companies um, back in the 1990s when pedals really started to take off. Um, you know, everyone from Bob Ross, Metallica, you know, all the, all, all the big bands, Radiohead, et cetera, all use those pedals. Now, Dan became a friend um, because we live geographically relatively close, you know. Um, I bought one of his pedals because I'm still a pedal geek just because I design doesn't mean I don't buy pedals. And uh, we went and had a beer, as you do. A nice beer in a summer... Uh, uh, in the in the summer in a pub car a uh, pub car park pub garden and um yeah we got chatting and uh the relationship sort of developed from there and so fast forward um me and dan decided that we're gonna we're gonna do some modulation we're gonna do some stuff that's not been done it's analog um because we think there's more to come from the analog realm you know everyone's doing digital at the moment and they're and they're absolutely killing it. There's some amazing stuff being developed. And um, we think there's still more to be developed from an analog perspective. And that's why the chorus was developed. So, um, excuse me. Um, what we set out to achieve was to meet a certain amount of touchstone, tonal um, positions, so to speak. So, big fan of the Boss CE1. Big fan of the Boss CE2. Big fan of Electro Harmonics uh, chorus. Um, you know, really big fan of the big Space Echo units, the 301, the chorus on that, the uh, Dimension mm-hmm. chorus. Massive fan of the Leslie thing. Um, but also like the grittier chorus types and sounds. And so the the deep Oggin um, was designed to have a very specific preamp to respond to your guitar to have enough boost on tap to get really quite gritty and dirty into your amplifier which is you know unusual from a chorus has enough range in both speed and depth to do everything from a subtle shimmer to a crazy warble like a laser um it's also a vibrato so the blend mode 100 percent wet um and you're into vibrato mode and then and and there are many shades of uh, chorus within there. Pretty much, it's a chorus for chorus lovers. You, you know, uh, and we're quite proud of it because it was a lot of work. I've heard, I've heard from one source, our our mutual friend uh, Mikey, Mikey Demas, who was also on yeah. the podcast a little ways back. If you guys haven't checked that out yet, it was great. He is not, at least according to what he told me, he's not. He's not normally a chorus fan, and he loved this thing, which is also a good a good note. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's happened to us before, actually. Not not necessarily with Mikey, but with other people. We've gone. We've had a lot of uh, feedback from people about, uh, say, the Fallout Cloud, formerly called the Muffroom Cloud, and we also had feedback from people with regards to the Veteran. And they, they the feedback generally goes like this: I'm not usually a Fuzz fan. That sounds amazing. I really want one. Uh, why why do i like this fuzz and i don't like others and you know it's different flavors different strokes different folks um but we've had that quite a lot i'm not usually a fan of but i like yours how are you doing it 
and the chorus mikey was a bit shocked because he, 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 he's he's plugged in he was like i'm not gonna like this it was, it was literally was i don't really like chorus and then uh carried on playing carried on playing carried on playing i was like oh i do like it that's great um, <laughs> I'm quite, pr- quite proud of that moment if i'm honest that's phenomenal that's that's uh that's the goal right when you you've you've uh, delivered somebody some inspiration that they weren't expecting that's that's always a, a good feeling yeah it's that sort of thing that you need to to motivate you to do the next thing you know when when you're finding it hard and you're wondering why your circuit's not working properly as you wanted it to and you'd planned it to work it's those moments when you finalize the product and properly good players are playing through them um that it just brings a smile to your face you know absolutely it's a real sense of accomplishment on that same kind of note what is the coolest thing that you've experienced as a result of running this company oh that's kind of cool um you know what as a bit of a blur fan going out for dinner with <laughs> If Graham Coxon from Blur is really surreal, Whoa. him and Andy, yeah, him and Andy from Reverb. So I've been, at, I've had dinner with Graham a few times now, which I've been really lucky because he's such a nice guy. Um, and anyway, went out in in the UK for a curry, uh, Indian, and that was amazing. He's such, he was, he was really funny. He's a good, good guy. And then in Nam, I got invited by Andy of Reverb, formerly Pro Guitar Show. He said, oh, Graham, Graham's come, come to the show. Would you like to go out for dinner? I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. So I took my wife. We had a great time. And um, yeah, it was just a very surreal experience. Because this guy has had worldwide success with a worldwide uh, you know, high-quality high band, you know. Mm-hmm. He uses my pedals, and it, it's just cool. And uh, but the funniest thing that came off the back of that is the very next day we went to the Pedal Builders Guild, uh, not yes. Pedal Builders Guild, but you know the Pedal Builders sort of. Is it called the Guild? But anyway, it was it was a, it was the bowling alley. Um, <clears throat> the bowling alley, yeah. The Pedal Builders Summit, I think, is what they have called it in the past. That's it. I made it sound too posh there, didn't I? Um, anyway. Yeah, yeah. We're just we're just the guys <laughs> at the bowling alley. Let's be honest. Yeah, it was cool. You know, really nice of the guys to organise that for for everyone, and it's a it's a real sign of the camaraderie that's in the industry. But Andy came to that that night, and um, and it, what was really funny was so was Graham. Graham Coxon was there with him, and he you know we obviously he recognised us and we said hello and had a good chat and had a good time. But there was the amount of people who were saying. <laughs> Oh, could you just take a photo of me and Andy? So they're saying that to Graham Coxon, who is a legitimate rock star. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Andy will confirm this because this gen. (laughs) And they go, "Oh, you just take a photo of a, of a, yeah, of of me and Andy." Yeah, yeah, no dramas. (laughs) He's such a nice guy. That is funny. It was. It amused me. (laughs) Yeah, I was there too, and somehow I missed. I missed, I seen Andy, we talked briefly, but he was by himself when I caught him. Uh, I didn't see you two, unfortunately, but that night is, you, uh, you probably experience this. It's like you get pulled in like 37 different directions. And it's like, I want yeah. to say hi to everyone, 
but I, I physically don't have the ability to do that. Like I, I need more of me to actually say hi to all of these people that, you know, you get to spend, you know, for me, for instance, I spend hours and hours doing this all year, talking to people in depth and going, you know, picking their brains and whatever. And then, uh, which is awesome. But then I kind of, you know, I want to say hi and, and, uh, put my, you know, shake their hand and, uh, you know, you know, just, it's different when you're in person than, the, than digitally. And, you know, you, you always leave Nam, or at least I always leave Nam. going, ah, I miss that person. Ah, I miss that person too. Ah. And yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little bit upset that I missed Graham Coxon, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> well, he was, I, th- I think the great thing for him is he was relaxing and enjoying himself and just chilling. And, you know, um, I, I, I often think that's probably how people want it to be. You know, some people love, it love the limelight. I got the impression he just liked to be flying under the radar a little bit. No, I get that. I definitely get that. All right, man. Well, we've made it to uh, just about to the hour mark. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we before we sign off and before I ask you the big question? All right. Okay. Well, no. I ju- firstly, I just want to say thank you very much for having me on uh, on, on your show. That's wonderful. Uh, secondly, I I want to apologize. Uh, you know, uh, to, to s- some of your uh, American listeners, we don't have enough sort of spread of our product in America, and we're really doing our best this year to try and get more of our product out there so that, you know, if you're, no matter what state you're in, our aim is to be able for people to be able to play our stuff. So, you know, firstly, my apologies. We're rectifying that, and hopefully if you can have a little bit of patience with me, you should see more of our stuff in and around the States very soon. Very cool. Very cool. That's very exciting. Cause yeah, we, we're, we're hungry for it over here, man. We're, you know, we're used to, we're used to having all of the pedals available at all times. Uh, and, uh, you know, we just can't tolerate, you know, waiting. It's just, it's so hard for our, uh, this, uh, amazon.com future that we live in where we want it now and we want it yesterday and we want it before we even knew we wanted it. <laughs> I, I get it. I absolutely get it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, one of my failings as a human being is I'm one of the most impatient people you'll ever meet. Um, but I'm well aware of it, and uh, I, so I feel the pain for other people. <laughs> anyway, the good news is that the people are, are the people are ready. As soon as you, as soon as you are, the people are here. I'm, I'm sure of it. So, well, watch this space. There's some big things afoot. Oh, nice. Very nice. Well, yeah. Thank you very much for coming on. This has been a, this has been a lot of fun. But I'm I'm hoping you're sitting down for this last part. This is the I big am. one. This... I'm scared. Okay. Now. Yeah. I mean, it it'll make or break the company if we're being perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> what kind of pizza do you like? Pepperoni. Straight up pepperoni. Pepperoni. Absolutely. I mean, we don't have a lot of choice of pizza over here. I mean, you've got all these deep dish fangled things. Actually, there is one pizza over here that you don't get in the States. Do you know what a doner kebab is? No, I don't. Um, okay, so it, it looks like um, it's like a Turkish uh, meat on a spit vertically, and then you shave it, and it, it's, 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 uh, it's lamb meat, um, and it goes mm. into a pita bread. Um, I, I think you might call it shawarma. Uh, I think that's okay. the American. American thing. Well, that meat on a pizza is available in the UK 
and it's probably the best pizza you could ever get. And it's also the most unhealthy pizza you can get. That sounds delightful. That sounds like yeah, so all kinds of my business. If you ever come over here, come and see me. I'll sort you out. We'll, we'll order one and you can, uh, you can go back with clogged arteries. That, I mean, if they're not done by now, then I don't think that piece will do it. But I'm very excited to try that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Wicked. <laughs> so good. Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a this was a ton of fun. Yeah, thank you. I've really enjoyed myself. Thank you very much. Yeah. Right. I'll wrap this thing up. So for Adrian, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. There you have it, folks. We did it. It's another episode in the can. Thank you for sticking with me. And again, apologies for the lack of audio quality on this one. That just drives me up the wall. But again, I think the chat was worth it. So hopefully you enjoyed all that and you made it to this point. So there you go. I guess you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for tuning in. And if you could drop us some reviews on iTunes or wherever you happen to listen to this thing, um, and if there's anywhere you'd like to listen to it and it's not on, let me know and I'll try to try to make it available. Shoot me an email to info at tonemob.com. Hit me up on any of the socials and yeah, share this with a friend. If you, you've got somebody you think that would really enjoy this, get something out of it, please share it with your guitar playing fan, fan fans. Well, yeah, if you're some rock star, you probably do have fans. Tell them about it. Um, yeah, this is a, this is a really fun project and it's only made possible by, everybody listening and keeping this thing going. And in that spirit, if you could, you know, next time you're out shopping on Reverb.com, you're looking to buy some gear, you could use the link ToneMob.com slash Reverb. Anything you purchase, a small percentage of it comes back, keeps the show going, keeps the, keeps the lights on, so to speak, around here. The mic's hot, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. You're going to buy that pedal anyway, and, you know, you might as well use tonemob.com slash reverb for all of your reverb purchases. It really, really does help a lot, so thank you for that. And yeah, with that said, uh, good, you know, good night, or good morning, or whatever. I don't know. We're going to cut to a commercial now, but after that, do whatever you want. Find another good podcast. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you, that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. 
If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.